It's time to take a ride on the Steelers' afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Uh, Alan, for the second time this week, the Pittsburgh Steelers dropped a game at home to a team that came into that game with two wins. Um, They looked like they were sitting pretty with the stretch of games that they had, you know, having to go against Cleveland's backup quarterback, DTR, then Jake Browning, and then the Arizona Cardinals, and then the New England Patriots. They went one and three in that stretch, Alan, now to now be outside of the playoffs as we sit here right now. You know, I didn't think about it until you characterized it in that way, but, like, it's a pretty good argument of this being, like, the worst week of Steelers season history. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to do worse. Honestly, yeah. In one week, lose two games to two and ten teams. Like, neither the scores were lopsided, but, like, man, I don't know. That's about as bad as it gets. Especially like considering where they were. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. seven and four, win these two, get the nine wins, sitting pretty. I mean, the either their playoff percentage would have been in the 90s if they had won mm-hmm. these two games. Now it's in the 30s. Um, really uh turns the entire 2023 season on its ear in a matter of five days. This went from a team that I was fairly confident was going to make the playoffs thought they had a chance to win the division thought they had a chance to win a playoff game to um gosh if they play like they did in these two they won't win again nor will they be competitive i mean that's that's really how far we've fallen in in that amount of time absolutely because you look at the schedule the rest of the way indianapolis colts very much fighting for something now i know they've lost their starting quarterback but they got one of the best if not the best backup in gardner Minshew in the league and they're still playing really well competitive ball of course no jonathan taylor um but then you look after that like if that if the version of jake browning that showed up on monday night against jacksonville is the one that we're going to see now that it's a more prepared jake browning you know who knows then seattle and baltimore to close the season so it does not get any easier their path here you and i were both very confident you said you were confident about the making the playoffs so was i um but yeah this this 2023 season has done a complete turn within a matter of five days and i think the probably the worst part of it is that basically uh last night's loss to the new england patriots followed the same script as sunday's loss to the arizona cardinals it's like nothing changed after the first loss you know they still went out and made a whole bunch of stupid mental mistakes on offense they still went out and they they were abused by tight ends over the middle on defense they didn't seem to have any answers for any of their problems um and that's really i think the part that has people so disheartened is that you lose a game like that Sometimes you lose a game like that and it can be a positive wake-up call for a team. I think back to the 2021 pit season that had that disastrous loss to Western Michigan in it, a very bad yeah, yeah. team, right? Mm-hmm. But then they kind of they kind of turned things around after that loss, right? And kind of got them set like that like the guys on that team said that was kind of what propelled them to be as good as they were down the stretch. The Steelers did exa- all the same stuff that caused them to lose to the Cardinals all over again on Thursday night and lost another one. Uh, it's it's really quite unbelievable. History was made, Alan. They were the first team over 500 to lose back-to-back games to teams that were at least eight 
games under 500. I mean, that's not the right side of history that you want to be on if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers. But to your point, I was thinking the same thing. You know, it's one thing to say something. So I really didn't care that all these change, you know, not changes, but that they were going to execute better or play better. You know, they learned from their mistakes on Sunday, weren't going to take the team lightly. They, it's one thing to say all that. And then it's another to go out there and do it. Very frustrated um, by the performance that was put out on the field yesterday. And I don't even, you know, we talked about the Patriots defense quite a bit. If you would have told me that the Steelers just score 18 points against that defense, I would have been like, oh, they're probably one by two possessions with the way New England's offense is playing. How did New England's offense put up 21 points in the first half of this football game? Doing all the same stuff that Arizona did last week it, with a worse quarterback. Yeah. Like, it's it's not even close, really. I mean, Bailey Zabby's been awful this year when he's played, and he diced them up. Now they fixed it, but, like, it can't happen. And that unit, I mean – should be great. The Steelers' offense, look, we said it here. I said it here a lot. Firing Matt Canada was not going to fix their problems. Certainly, um, the one big thing we learned from this week's game is that Kenny Pickett is better than Mitch Trubisky. I think we can put away any conversation to the contrary there, right? Like, it's not like that. Like, they, they could have benched Kenny. That would have solved all their problems. No. Trubisky was dreadful in this game through one interception was fortunate that it wasn't three and was not able to complete anything down the field really at all i mean everything they did was... it takes like what he had like one attempt over 25 yards of george pickens targets is just yeah. like oh man <sighs> yeah you're referring to yeah. the next gen stats graphic right the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, where like all of his touches are within three yards of the line of scrimmage. And it's like, why? What are you doing? Like, that I don't was, know. Like, I don't know. That was Juju in 2021. That was his I don't know if Trubisky kind of got gun shy after the interceptions. I mean, the one he threw, the Jabril Peppers, Pat Firemuth is triple covered. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Someone was like in, on my Twitter feed, they were like, well, why did Pat stop running? I was like, well, when you're triple covered, usually you just try to stay there and keep three people occupied because there's got to be at least one other person wide open if not multiple other people wide open like you mm -hmm. don't like yeah you get like you you don't expect to get the ball when you're triple covered like you shouldn't expect to get the ball i bad bad decision bad throw all bad all kinds of bad um trubisky i'll give him a lot of credit for uh taking ownership of it um but was not nearly good enough in that game um, and was one of many problems on offense. Yeah, we knew that they weren't going to be able to run the ball, right? But Mitch Trubisky being their leading rusher with 30 yards, uh, that's not going to fly. That's not going to get it done. Um, but yeah, I, I thought too, I, you know, we had a conversation on here following Sunday's game about the, you know, the sequencing of plays, you know, not building one thing off of the next. It really didn't make sense. Uh, you know, I, I felt like that that went into Thursday's game too. I thought very once again the play calling was horrible. It was worse. It like they had a great game plan. Yeah, yeah, it was worse. I so uh, to be fair, I haven't gone back and watched this game over. This is the one game I haven't all this year. But I it thought was so in real time. It was, it was worse. It it was absolutely worse. They did nothing well. 
on offense. Um, the offensive line didn't block well. They didn't protect Trubisky. Mason Colden snapped the ball well again. They didn't get lined up well again, took another illegal formation penalty, didn't get the play in on time, had to burn another second-half timeout on offense. They did absolutely nothing well in this game on offense. Nothing. They did nothing well. They didn't run the ball. They didn't block. Darnell Washington was terrible. Um, they did nothing well on offense in this game. It's a good defense, but come on, it's not that good. Um, it, it was uh, quite unbelievable to watch. Well, we've talked about, you know, the, the scheme over the players, right? Because if you just look at the Patriots roster, you know, that defense, not a lot of household names. Like Kyle Duggar's a good player. Jabril Peppers is okay. But, like, even he's been bounced around a little bit. Matthew Judon's not there. He's hurt. Like, there, there's not guys. There's not dudes on this defense that should be doing what they did. Uh, to the Steelers, of course, the Steelers' offense is is not good, but you know they should have been, in my opinion. If you're if they're going to be able to stop the run, I would have liked to have seen them do a little bit more play action, take some more chances down the field. Again, Trubisky attempted one pass in this game over 25 air yards. It was on a fourth and two for the game. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, they had um, two chances at splash. Like you get a first and ten at the 16 yard line after an interception, throw the ball in the friggin' end zone. Look at the end. They never even looked at the end zone. They had first and 10 at the 16, and they turned the ball over on downs. And the farthest any of the, the – the ball went two yards, three yards, two yards, and one yard. And that's how they turned the ball over from the 16. Throw in the freaking end zone. What are you doing? You have George Pickens. He's barely human. Just let him run down there and jump as high as he can. Like, it's really not that difficult. Like, I, I don't even understand how – like, that – I did not think that the Steelers' offense would get better when Matt Canada left, but I am shocked at how much worse it's gotten, which is really saying something. I I agree. I definitely agree with that with that sentiment. Do you think you you kind of alluded to this potentially being the case? But you know, Mitch threw one interception, very well could have had three. How much do you think that played it like mentally? Was he not because he talked about going into this game that he was going to be aggressive, and then we really didn't see that be the case. So, like, what what happened there? Was it his just mentally like not there? Was he gun shy after throwing the interception and almost throwing two more, or what happened? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I I don't think it'd be crazy to dis yeah, you know, it's crazy to discount that. Um, you know, the the offense could have gotten the word from on high to just stop trying too hard. I don't know, you know, like it's it's um it's it's unbelievable really though. Like I can't it's like they picked all the worst plays from Canada's playbook and deployed them in about the worst possible order that you could. Like I don't even, like like it's yeah. I, I don't believe that a random number generator and Mitch Trubisky's wristband would have done a significantly worse job of play, calling the plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And there's there's a lot of variables that are working against you know him here too. You know, if we're talking about the play calling, we're talking about the offensive line not blocking well. Obviously, he himself was not good enough. Took ownership of that. Mike Tomlin said though, never even close to putting in Mason Rudolph. And that I don't think that either of us are going to sit here and try to convince anybody that that necessarily be a solution. Um, but you know, maybe a little bit risk adverse. You know, do you maybe? look to make that switch or is it another scenario where you go into Saturday next Saturday Trubisky's definitely the guy but maybe he actually has a shorter leash in this one like where are you at with Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky well first of all 
I'm gonna call some BS on Mike here. I mean, not that it's bad BS, but like no coach in the entire recorded history of football has ever not replaced his quarterback and then said that he did think about doing it. Come on, you thought about it. Like, there's no chance in the world that every time ever a coach has thought about replacing a quarterback, he's done it. That's uh, if you take them at their word, that's the case you have, right? That no one has ever actually thought about replacing a quarterback and then not decided to. No, he thought about it. Of course he thought about it. Everybody in the stadium was thinking about it. And I, tangent, I got to go on a sidebar here. The fans chanting for Mason Rudolph, first of all. First of all, you all hate Mason Rudolph. Did you forget that? You hate every fiber of this man's being. You've wanted him to not be a part of the team for like five years now. Very convenient. Second of all, what a turn of events. Channing for Mason Rudolph to be playing while Alex Highsmith is on the ground yeah. with a neck injury was yeah. frankly embarrassing. Uh, it was it was embarrassing. I cannot believe that happened. If, mm-hmm. if you had told me that happened in Cincinnati, I might believe you. For it to happen in Pittsburgh, shameful, shameful. Um, but look, nobody thinks that Mason Rudolph is the answer. Might he have been better in this game? I don't know. Maybe Mitch didn't play very well, even for his own capabilities. But look, Mitch was running for his life half the game too, and that's not exactly Mason's cup of tea, you know. Um, I, I don't know. It's not. That's the thing anything. that gets me is the lack of mobility. It's not going to hurt anything at this point, but like I, I don't. Yeah. No one should think that's the answer, you know. Right. Well, that's why. That's why I was saying. I was like, you know, neither one of us two are going to try to convince you of that um but i just wondered how how if you felt like that leash was shorter based off this performance i mean i think if those three almost interceptions had been three actual interceptions then mason rudolph would have been playing second half of that game okay all right yeah that's 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 fair um is there anything that stood out to you in a positive way about this game whether it's something they did or even like just specific players well, here's what I want to say first about this. And I okay. wrote a very long column at SteelersNow.com that I think you should read um, about basically everything that's happened to the Steelers this season and why and how to fix it. And at the very end of that column, uh, where I concluded that most of the problems with the Steelers this year are coaching. Mm-hmm. Um the good news about that is that it is a lot easier to replace coaches than players. Um, is that it feels like they are not that far away from having good enough players. In fact, you could make a pretty good argument that they are just a quarterback away from having good enough players right now. That if this team had been playing all year with, I don't know, Kirk Cousins, they're like nine always, and three. It's always the name, isn't it? It's always Kirk Cousins. Why is it always Kirk Cousins? I, I think because it's like he's like he's a fringe top ten guy, but nobody looks at him as like an elite player at the position. Like, how about I, this? I, I don't know. How about this? Always... Let's let's pick one that like not not everybody is like so enamored with, but I still think is like not like if the Steelers had Dak Prescott, they would be a Super Bowl oh, contender. Yeah. Yes. Right. And Dak, it's not like nobody talks about Dak like he's Mahomes or or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, right? I'm not not cherry picking Mm -hmm. like the very best of the best here. He's like a top ten quarterback, right? Like that's that's where he's at. Matthew Stafford, like that, like any of those guys, right? Like I'm not. they, They don't need this. This team is not Mahomes away. 
Like they're not, they don't need that. They just need like pretty good quarterback play and they could be a Super Bowl contender, but certainly be a contender to win the division. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that like a lot of, somebody asked me last night, how can you have any optimism about this team? And I think that to me is the one reason that I think you can have optimism about this team going forward is that it does feel like they have a lot of the right pieces. It just does not feel like they're getting really good coaching right now. And that is of the two problems, the one you want to have. Would you rather yeah. have this or would you rather have Bill Belichick with like a college team? Right. <laughs> like, I, you know, no, I agree. I, I was having this conversation on, on Twitter and you know, I said I don't think that they're like void of talent. I just don't think that yeah. they have an answer at the most important position. I, I don't want to bring injuries fully into this, but they've obviously been stretched thin at the inside linebacker position. Uh, I think they need at least one more solution in the secondary. And then, yeah, I think they are very bad coaching staff and not enough people on the coaching staff as well. Uh, and I think that's mainly on the offensive side of the football, but I think you could bring defense into it as well. And the special teams has been a mixed bag for a lot of the year as well. So, I mean, it's it's across the board, really. Yeah. So now if you want positives, like I think I have a surprising amount of them, I think I think is, is okay. going to be the answer to that. Like Cam Hayward looks back. I, I did not think he in was, his yeah. first game okay. coming back from the injury that he he still certainly looked uh, like he was bothered that he, he hey, it was supposed to be an eight week injury. He came back in seven. Like it was pretty clear that Cam Hayward came back before it was 100 percent. This game, and especially coming on a short week, impressed me. He looked like Cam Hayward. He led the team in tackles, five solos, had a sack, held Zeke to three yards of carry. Like, Cam Hayward looked back. I thought that was a very uh, clear 75% model. of the snaps as well. Yeah. 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 I, I thought he was he was probably the best player on their defense in this game. Um, I thought he was awesome. I think that's a clear positive. I thought that uh, the – you know, we, we saw continually, um, like, look, look at Joey Porter Jr. Look, I mean, listen, these aren't great outside receivers, but how, mm-hmm. what percentage of the Patriots receiving yards were tight ends and slot receiver Juju Smith-Schuster? Like, all uh, of them? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> outside receivers do anything in this game? Like, I think Patrick Peterson has really stepped his game up, man. Like, there was yeah. a point where people were talking about, like, when it was get Joey in the lineup, like, is it is it Joey for Levi or is it Joey for Pat? Because they were both bad. I think Patrick Peterson has really stepped his game up. He is really playing now like the player the Steelers thought they were getting. And Landon Roberts yeah, is the awesome. single most valuable player in the entire Steelers organization right now. Because uh, you know, if 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 the Steelers defense when it comes to injuries is like the like a like a like a jalopy, you know, car with like nine panels falling off. He's the master mechanic with, uh, you know, his he's got his he's got his you know hands connecting two wires and his foots over here uh, <laughs> holding something to get. Like he is he is the guy keeping the entire thing running. There was literally a play, a third down play where he got subbed out of the game. Then he went back onto the field called the play for the defense and then came back off because yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen that happen in my entire life. Like that's incredible. Like literally mm. he is so important that he, like, I don't, even though I can acknowledge Elaine and Robert's limitations as a player, like he is not great in coverage. Like that is not his forte, 
But like, I don't, and obviously he's playing through a groin injury and it was nowhere near a hundred percent. I'm sure they did not want to play him a hundred percent of the snaps, but he can't ever come off the field. Like he, he's so vital mm-hmm. to what's going on. And I, I gotta be perfectly honest. Like he's been so much better than I thought he could be. Like, if you yeah. told me Landon Roberts was going to have to play 100% of the snaps for a multi-week stretch for the Steelers, I'd have probably been like, yeah, it's not going to be great. Huh, it's been awesome. In fact, he's been so good that when he's not on the field, it's like it's a catastrophe. Like he, Very noticeable, yes. He, he's He's been awesome. So I, I got lots of positives on defense. On offense, mm-hmm. Miles <laughs> Killebrew getting right, you know, that that's good. Um, he mm-hmm. needed that. Um, getting the punt block after a boneheaded game um on offense man i don't know i don't think i have very many you know i i don't think that uh pat farmuth had like two drops it's not mm-hmm. characteristic yeah. of him he has great hands uh deontay johnson you know Deont- johnson's got a thumb injury he's like nowhere near 100 percent either he's had, been having this big wrap on his hand I, I didn't think he was very good in this game george pickens was open a lot, never got the ball. When he did get the ball, it was two yards. But, man, like, I, I think I've defended George's sideline demeanor. I, I think it's good that he cares. I think he needs to learn how to express that in a more productive manner. I, I don't think it's helpful to have your, your star wide receiver barking at people on the sideline, pouting during plays, after plays. Um, that there's a level where you're, you're – your give a damn and your your lack of maturity are are are, are overlapping and i think we've reached that sure. with george and i think something needs to be said to him by someone that's going to get it to stop um and i don't know who that person is uh very clearly it's no one on the offense because they all tried during that game and no one was seemingly able to calm him down uh, I, I mentioned darna you know connor hayward was pretty good in this game outside of his um questionable pass attempt which maybe we won't oh man yeah but at least he he could have had one at least that was on first and goal from the one like if you're gonna do something dumb that's a good time to do it but his little hurdle toe tap Mm. that was nice i thought he made some some nice reads other than that i thought he played okay um but the but the, the positives on offense are pretty few and far between yeah i agree uh real quick i just wanted to bring up patriots uh, receivers that were not named Juju Smith-Schuster had four catches for 21 yards combined in this one. Three for 17 from Tyquan Thornton, one for four from Pharaoh Brown. That was it. That was it for their receivers. In that, that's not even for sure that they were lined up on the outside. So um, I wanted to ask you about one player in specific, though, because you mentioned um, you, you brought up briefly about the Alex Highsmith neck injury that took him out of this game. And, you know, you brought it up because of the chance and stuff. But I wanted to mention Nick Herbig, obviously, coming onto the field in that in his place. What did you think about his game? I thought it was okay. Um, you know, it was about what I expected. I think he's been promising as a, as a, you know, mid round pick. And I think the Steelers have a player in him, but you know, there's going to be growing pains when you take a guy who's getting 10, 11 snaps a game and ask him to play 30, you know, and, and I thought they, there was some of that uh, more so in the running game. But, you know, I, I think there's, there's still a lot to like about Nick Herbig. And, and I think, look, I think every member really of this 2023 draft class has impressed pretty much every time they've gotten an opportunity. Like it's the biggest reason to have optimism for this team going forward is that Omar Khan and Andy Weidel's first offseason looks pretty darn strong right now, and they certainly are not the problem with this team. If they That's stack a couple more of those on, on top here, like that, they could be onto something. 
Yeah, I saw somebody post yesterday on X uh, that maybe people were overrating Omar Khan's offseason because of the way where the team is right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I think his offseason was great. I think, like I said, if the problems are coaching, it's not the players. And I think the places where they have player problems are not the places that got addressed this offseason. Look, you can only do so much work every year. You know, the salary cap exists. You only get so many draft picks. Like, you know, but I feel like the areas where they saw, like, the areas where they sought out to improve, they improved. Like, I, who was making a big deal about the signing of a Landon Roberts in March? Nobody. It's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, who, mm-hmm. you know, like who was making a big deal about Nick Herbig on draft day? Nobody. Like, in fact, most people thought he wasn't big enough to play outside linebacker. Wrong. It's great. Yeah. I think most people at that spot were looking for a slot corner and they when yeah. they drafted Herbig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I, I think I think his offseason has proven to be very good. Um, Joey Porter Jr. is a shutdown corner. That's really everything you want. You got Broderick Jones coming along nicely. I didn't think he had a great game, but I thought he was fine. Um, you know, he'll definitely better than he was against Arizona because I thought yes, Arizona yes, was. Yes, yeah. he struggled against Arizona. You know, I, but I just think those guys are not the problem, and uh, and they continue to show that that they can get if they can continue to show that they can have off seasons like that, they're going to be in very good shape sooner rather than later. I, I agree. I mean, it goes back to what we said earlier. You know, I don't think there's like some weight of talent. You know, I, I think that you have a massive question mark at the most important position, and then you have a lot of coaching failures within there as well. And I don't know if, you know, 25 minutes in is the best time to bring up something from that article, but obviously it's going to be a continued hot topic when you drop two games in a row, and it is a hot topic all the time in Pittsburgh. But, Alan, you know Mike Tomlin's going to be, you know, I'm very excited to hear the next time that he talks and the comments that come from that. But uh, you obviously wrote in that article about like, is it time you've talked about, you know, the the balance there and, you know, the the I'm not saying power struggle, but the how do you divvy up blame and stuff like that between him and the GM and ownership and the way all these things go. And I just think it's a really interesting conversation when you lose back to back games at home to a two and ten team. Like, where are we at with that conversation? I think it's very clear they need to make big changes to the coaching of this team, whether that involves Mike Tomlin. I think um, really depends on how much of a reason he was for the coaching being the way it is. And I don't think from the outside we really know the answer to that question. Let me tell you this. If Mike Tomlin came into the season saying, hey, Art, man, I love this coaching staff. I like every guy on it. This coaching staff is exactly the way I want it to be. Then he should Mm -hmm. be fired at the end of this year. If Mike Tomlin came into the season begging for Art to let him fire Matt Canada or let him to bring somebody else or pissed that he couldn't keep Brian Flores or is mad about the size of his coaching staff and the quality of his coaching staff, but that is something that he has to deal with because that's the team he works for, then I would have a hard time holding him responsible for what's happened because then it would not have been his fault. you know. And I don't really think – on the outside, we can know the answer to that. And I think there are fewer personnel issues, but like the, you know, if you say there's a quarterback away, well, okay, whose fault is that? Well, they just drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round. Is that Mike Tomlin's choice? Is that Kevin Colbert's choice? I mean, our, our Rooney said the night of the draft, he didn't want to let another pit quarterback go like his father had let Dan Marino go. Like who is ultimately making mm-hmm. or driving that decision? 
I don't think we know the answer to that. The people on the inside know the answer to that. And we understand yeah. how reticent the Roonies have been to fire a coach. And so I do think that, like, we almost sort of have to take their judgment for it. We're not going to know. We're not going to find out the answers mm-hmm. to those questions that I asked. But there's no justification for the scenario we just broke down where Mike Tomlin handpicked this coaching staff and was very happy with it, that he should be allowed to pick the next one. Uh, yeah, period. I agree. And, and this kind of will go along with that in a way. Uh, this is kind of like a hindsight opinion, but in your mind, should they have, and I, I know that like it's not necessarily crazy to do we've seen other teams do it but should kevin colbert have handled the last draft like he did like the year that they selected kenny pickett do you think that that should have gone the way that it did with the organization before you're handing the keys over to omar i mean i approved of the idea of letting kevin go through the draft process again uh, omar okay. is not a scout um I th- kevin had been part of the room that was that was leading up to that throughout the off season this wasn't really any reason you know honestly i gotta be Kind of like break the fourth wall here. The Steelers screwed up by just saying that Kevin was leaving before he did. Like there should have just been a press conference and okay, say like, yeah, that's fair. Hey, yeah. Kevin Colbert, I am retiring. Omar's going to take over now. Like if that had happened, like why did they let him be a lame duck general manager? I don't, I don't understand that. Like even if the decision had been made, why didn't they just mm-hmm. go? go with it when when his last yeah hey kevin's retiring his last day is friday like i i don't, I don't know why like I, I feel like that was a mistake by the steelers but i don't think the way they went through the process was a mistake even though i've been on the record as not loving kevin's last few drafts i just feel like he was the most prepared mm-hmm. person in the room to make that decision good or bad and and so i i I, th- I don't really think they had much of a choice but to do it the way they did it um Okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I think we can certainly at this point question whether Kenny Pickett was the right choice for the team at that time. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, and that's why I asked, because obviously, like, you know, once that story is told, we're going to be looking back. I think a lot of people already are now, but, you know, especially as time goes on here, if Kenny isn't the guy looking back. Um, but yeah, it's not even just Kenny, like you mentioned, I think the last few draft class of, of Kevin's tenure really leave a lot of questions, but um we will leave it there. Sound off in the comments how you feel about anything that we've talked about. And Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At A. Saunders underscore PGH on Twitter. PGH Steelers Now sites account. SteelersNow.com. That's where my column is today and all the work from myself, Nick Farabaugh, and Derek Bell. Check it out. There we go. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Like I said, hit us in the comments anything that we talked about, anything that you would like to see us talk about when we come back next week to open up a new week, um, which we will, won't have a, it's weird to be talking on a Friday, not having a game Sunday, and then obviously next week there will be a game Saturday. So, uh, But that's next week. Everybody have a good weekend. Until then, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH, Rowan Saunders, and myself. Thanks for jumping in, taking another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. 